0: Power of the dark side. I'm not a baby, I'm a man! I'm an anchor man! Is
1: this a kissing book? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with
2: some style?
3: Hello and welcome along to episode two of series three, just like in the movies, brought to you by gkmedia.ie, providing digital content and marketing solutions for SMEs throughout Ireland and the UK. As always, I'm your host, Gary Kelly, joined by the beautiful Lisa Tracy. Oh,
0: stop it. And the handsome
3: Dave Coyne. I do what I can. See, I did a good... (laughs) Quality, very equality very yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be careful these days anyways because everyone is offended <laughs> so easily as we learned just, last don't, just don't tweet episodes. that yeah. <laughs> don't be caught <laughs> tweeting that because you'll be out in your ears actually Joanna Lumley did a great thing about presenting the, the BAFTAs this year she said she probably got to present them because she never actually had a Twitter account oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're looking at Green Book Alisha Battle Angel and Irish movie Cellar Door we'll also be speaking to the director and leading actor of Cellar Door as well well, so do stay tuned for that. First up, let's talk about Green Book.
1: We'll be attending many events before and after the concerts, interacting with some of the wealthiest and most highly educated people in the country. It is my feeling that
3: your diction, however charming it may be in the tri-state area, could use some finessing.
2: You mean diction like in more way?
3: Like in the only way the word is ever used? Okay. Your intonation. Inflection, your choice of words. Yeah, I got my own problems. Now I gotta worry about what people think about the way I talk? There are simple techniques I can teach you that are quite effective. I can help you. I'm fine, but why are you breaking my balls? Because you can do better, Mr. Balawanga. There you go, that's a, a clip taken from the biographical movie, Green Book, nominated for five Oscars, Peter Farley's first drama after years of making some really cool comedies. And uh, fair to say he's done a good job?
4: Yes, it is very fair to say he's done a good job. I mean, the man it has done a good job before. Um, if you think of, uh, there's something about Mary. Uh, yeah, dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber 2. Uh, mm-hmm. The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, you know, Shake and Bake Baby. All of these wonderful out there. Comedy, but genius comedy to make a film of this caliber the tone of it the maturity of it the deft direction uh, the performances are outstanding uh Mahershala ali is the next denzel if you ask me uh he's mesmerizing and his performance in this is exquisite vigo mortensen put on three stone he did a kind of a christian bale and his accent is amazing it's fantastic it's amazing so yes mr Farley, two thumbs up good job Absolutely.
3: For those that don't know, it's a working class Italian-American bouncer becomes the driver of an African-American classical penis on a tour of venues through the 1960s American South, which mm-hmm. was not a very favorable place to go for a uh, person of African-American descent.
0: Nuh-uh. Bad, bad times. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so Viggo Mortensen is class, and Mahershala Ali is just, he captures every scene he's in. He's just, he's... Mesmeric. He's mesmeric. He really is. And even like the piano playing, <coughs> even if it wasn't him, you'd still think it was him. Yeah. It was, I mean, it, it, was it wasn't fabulous. him,
4: but it was so well done. You know the way mm-hmm. if you yeah. see a, a movie star playing the piano, you 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 know, you get a shot of the hands and then a shot of them moving their shoulders. Yeah. And you know, it's, they're just <laughs> stitching it together. But this was done really well. The, the musical um, genius behind the movie, who actually apparently studied or played with the original character, Dr. Shirley, he... He doubled for, but it's so well done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the CGI, the way they stitch the hands together, it's so well done that it, it's, it's seamless, it's flawless.
0: Yeah. It's a really, wor- really well put together film. Mm. Like every shot, every scene, mm. it, just, it just flows. There was no part in the movie that you were going, oh, this is, this is getting boring, I want to mm. move on. Or there was no part that didn't seem that it was part of the film. It was just a very well put together film, very impressive yeah. for a man that was all about the slapstick comedy.
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm. Is it a Sunday afternoon movie?
4: It it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's um it's a really good movie. There's no major uh violence or sexuality or bad language or anything. There's a little bit, you know, it's not not suitable for kids, but it's uh, it's it's a really good movie in terms of pacing. It's very satisfying, very important movie. There's lots mm. of moments mm. in it where you you know, we take things for granted in uh, in this day and age and there's a wonderful scene where the working class um Italian guy Tony Lip uh played by Viggo Mortensen and he's he's very straightforward. Mm. And there's a scene at the beginning of the movie before he meets Dr. Uh, Shirley where he's there's two African-American workmen in his house and his wife, being a lovely Italian lady, she uh, offers them a glass of lemonade. And he's watching this in the distance and he's got all his buddies and they're shouting at the baseball game. And the two guys drink the lemonade glasses and they finish, they put the two glasses down and the wife walks them out and says, thanks very much, guys, and they're plumbers or whatever they are. And he walks over and he's kind of looking at the two glasses and he picks them up and puts them in the bin. So just to give you a little, you know, mm. lovely way to show... Yeah. Uh, it's a small touch, uh, but it was a touch. Yeah, And then and then his wife, uh, later on, she's cleaning up after dinner and she opens the, the, the trash can and she sees them. She doesn't make a big deal out of it. She just kind of rolls her eyes a little bit, picks them up and puts them back in the sink. Mm. And then at the end of the movie, there's a huge character arc for this character because he, himself and Dr. Shirley, this African-American genius, they become best buddies. It's, there's a little whiff of um, planes, trains and automobiles where mm. one guy wants to get home to his family and the other guy is alone and they... They go on this adventure together and form this bond. And at the end, they, they come together as friends. And um, it's wonderful throughout the movie where um, Tony Lip kind of sticks up for this man in the Deep South and gets him out of lots of scrapes, which was his job in the first place. Mm. But he does with such a deft touch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's important. And the scene, wh- which I'm digressing on, was there's a big finale where he's playing in this fabulous uh, hotel um, a resort and uh, the other guys in the band are in the fancy dining room with all the white people mm-hmm. and Dr. Shirley is a go-, go he's this star he's going to play piano in this room but they won't serve him dinner in the room <laughs> mm-hmm. and he starts to get like well he's you know it's building throughout the movie he's putting up with it and he's putting yeah. up with it and then you tell him what happens Lisa
0: well then Tony Lip comes along and he gets the maitre d and he says <clears> well either he eats it or he eats in this room no it was, it was himself that said it. either he oh, yeah. eats in the room he said, or he's yeah. not playing.
4: He said either he's in this room or I'm not performing tonight. And then the, there's a scene earlier on in the movie where Tony Lip loses his temper and they end up in prison. And Doctor Shirley has to ring Teddy Kennedy. To that get is my out favorite of, you know. part of the whole film because I <laughs> knew that brilliant. was going to happen. It's a brilliant movie, brilliant scene. Uh, but then, so he's trying to educate Tony. He's trying to make Tony better. He's like, Tony, don't you know? Don't get violent, mm. you know, and watch your tongue, and you know, comport yourself well. And he's trying to help Tony, but Tony's a real kind of, oh, you know, what are you doing? I am going to eat some chicken. I'll, you know, this guy's giving me crap. I am going to knock his teeth out. Mm-hmm. And the next thing, Tony's about to lose his temper with this guy, and he's this guy says, "Look, for a guy in your position, you can be bought." And he's he's like, "You keep this coon." You tell him what to do yeah. and he puts his, he pulls out some money. Tony lifts him and Dr. Shirley kind of says, Tony, no, don't do it. And he says, you know, I'll, I'll play tonight. But then they, he turns out they don't and then they go to a...
0: Kind of a dive bar. Yeah,
4: dive bar. Right Around the corner. Uh, he's in his tails and his tuxedo and all these black people are in this bar drinking and they're like looking at him going, who the hell is this boy? Mm-hmm. And he walks in and they order a drink and the bartender, she says, um, "So what are you all dressed up for? And um, Vigo Morton's character, jo- Tony Lip says, oh, the greatest piano player in the world and she and she was like prove it prove it she points him up to the piano when he goes up and he plays you know jazzy music yeah. and he really has a ball so very very important film and very well made and the performances are stellar
3: mm-hmm. excellent I didn't know this but the real Tony Lip actually Went was in, in Sopranos. Sopranos Sopranos and Goodfellas Frankie yeah. the Wop and Goodfellas yeah mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah that's a fun little
0: <coughs> side note yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> so you go that is a green book out in cinemas at the moment next up if you like your manga films, you might like—is it manga magazine? No, yeah, it's manga. Yeah, manga films. By the way, four
0: out of five for that one. Just in case oh. you want to know. Oh. Just in case you oh. want to know.
3: Rewind. Rewind.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, Lisa, <laughs> what are you gonna give this movie?
0: A solid four.
4: Four out of five. Yes, okay. Indeed. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it 4.25. No, I can't do four quarters. Mm. To four and a half. I'm going to give it four and a half okay. because I, I really enjoyed it. The same then as Vice you gave last week. Yeah, both equally good. Yeah. I mean, both Oscar t- contenders. Yeah. And if you said to me, put your house on it, you know, Maharshala Ali or Maharshala or Maharshala Ali or Christian Bale, I wouldn't be able to answer that question. They're both mm. amazing.
3: Okay, well, he, of course, played Remy in House of Cards. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah a love that and he's also in our next movie So now fast forward yeah. Alita Battle he's not, Angel <laughs>
0: He's not in it much though
3: But uh, yeah So it's manga film And then it's Anime Yeah Is the comics The base the of The graphics it.
0: But it's not really com- Like it's based on comic But it's still
4: Graphic novel Graphic, graphic novel, novel yeah. Manga is the s- Is the genre of graphic novel Specifically I'm sure there's people Out there screaming at their yeah, like Headphones right now But you know Look here's a clip to cheer them up mm-hmm. You go in there you race, you win, you come back right here.
1: and You wear all of these pads. Remember, if you wreck this body, I can't fix
2: it. Yes, I know. Tonight is not a game.
1: Contenders, take your marks. It is a hunt. And here comes the rookie.
2: Cue a girl called Alita. Alita! Alita, it's a setup. You gotta
1: get out of there. They're gonna kill you.
0: Which ones? All of them. Go easy on me, guys. Sure kid. No
1: worries.
3: So, a, a deactivated female cyborg is revived but cannot remember anything of her past life and goes on a quest to find out who she is. I did not suggest going to see this movie. You did it yourselves. So.
0: <laughs> I did not. <laughs>
3: It's from Robert Rodriguez who I used to love. Well, this is his first big big movie in terms of budget, 200 million dollars to make this movie. Mm-hmm. That's Jim Cameron money. Yeah, cuz he was one of the writers on it. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And he was the one promoting it every time the you went to see the film the cinema, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, love movies or whatever it's called. They have like a clip before a movie saying, "Oh, you need to go to see the movies to love the movies." And James Cameron was on and he was like, "Oh, you go see Alita, blah blah blah." But there was no Rob Rodriguez in that and I wanted him in the thing as well.
3: So you listened to James and you went and trotted off to see the movie.
0: Yeah, I sure did. I didn't Continue. download it <laughs> illegally. Yeah, so Alita, annoying giant eyed girl, is just like that girl from whatever ad was years ago that had the girl with the bug eyes. Remember that ad? I don't I, know what I'm it was for.
4: Vaguely, but I can't. Anyway,
0: doesn't mm-hmm. matter It was from the 90s. Yeah, so she's kind of ugh, she's kind of an annoying character because it's like, oh yeah, you have no memory, but you're very angry every now and again, you little girl. And then oh. magically she becomes a bigger girl and also she starts going out with a human. And Christoph Waltz is kind of, oh, he's, he's holding on to the fact that his daughter, he's recreating his daughter kind of with this girl and he's looking out for her. But yeah... It's all right. Ugh, it's really it's only well, it all right. It was
4: thing. It's not made for us. It's not made for you and it's not we're not the demographic that well, this I thing is. should uh,
0: be. I'm very hip to the groove of my manga.
4: I mean, it's the 200 million dollar budget. You can see every penny of it on the screen. Mm. The screen, it's a visual feast of the 1500 ar- visual effects. The digital artistry in this film is second to none. I mean, the, I'd imagine a lot of people who worked on Avatar worked in this film for, yeah. you know. But is th- yawning, thinking yawning. about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Facial, <laughs> you know, the facial stuff. construction and the, and then this, the, I mean, Alita is a fully, what they call it, 100% cyborg. She's, she's got a human brain, but she's 100% synthetic other than that. So it's, mm. um, you know, there's bits of uh, Robocop in there and, you know, memory loss and mm. it's a lot of cliches and tropes, but, you know, for a new generation, new audiences and they're, of course, they're setting themselves up for a sequel with this, Floating yeah. City and the bad and the guys up there and, the, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there's a lot of beats that are very, very uh, predictable and everything. And it's, it's designed for teenagers, mm. but a visual, amazing film visually and the technology that was used to make this film. It's visually spectacular, but, you know, full of cliches and, you know, you can see the beats coming before the drummer even gets his, the drum kit out mm. of the van. Mm. Um, but um, not without merits. I mean, it has some merits, this film. Um,
0: I did like the bad guys. They yeah. looked very cool.
4: Yeah, very menacing. And there was a few good scenes, a few interesting cameos. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Fahey, who you might remember from uh, the Lawnmower Man, he was in it. He's the guy with the dogs and the metal oh, jaw. Right. Oh right. And uh, you know and. Um, Edward Norton played yeah. the bad guy. Bad guy. Yeah. Mahershala Ali mm. played the minion. Bad guy who gets his possessed mind taken over. He gets he has a mental implant chip thing, so he can actually be overridden by and the blue. The super bad guy. So in the middle of a conversation, he turns into a different person, mm. and it's really well done. Um. And what's the
0: Jennifer Connelly? Jennifer
4: thing? Connelly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, I don't know how she's alive because she's ice cold. Um, <laughs> i would never warned that woman at all I don't no. know what it is no I, I mean she's, she's always
0: very cross
4: she's very you know crotchety and stuff Christoph also plays an interesting character because it kind of goes against his type of this mm. villain because he's not the villain he's a good yeah. guy and he you know it's, it's very there's you know there's tones of Star Wars and lots of cliched you know stuff but it has an interesting mythology and they're looking for a sequel no doubt and they'll get it because although I had the cinema to myself
0: oh wow um, I did not, sadly. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, there was people who brought their five-year-olds in to see the film, and I was like, "It's twelve A, but get yeah. your five-year-old out." Yeah, it's
4: twelve A. It's not. Suitable. It's
0: gruesome. Like there's some person that like people are getting chopped left, right, and center, and there's a five-year-old there. Yeah. In oh, fairness, in
4: fairness, th- I have to say there there was a few moments where I really enjoyed it, because uh, I am a twelve-year-old at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a moment where uh, inevitably there's a setup, and it's like, okay, where we're going to be. It's like you know. Mm. Okay, Mr. Bonds, is your exploding pen right? He's going to be using that in twenty minutes. <laughs> and she, she has her new robotic body, and then she goes to the spaceship, which is where she came from. And there's a much more advanced, more than anybody can handle robot body. Yeah. And
0: she's the only one that can unlock the, the door. She's the only one
4: that can can you know her her <laughs> brain whatever. She's the only person who can be put into this body. And everybody all over the world is just getting new bodies and new body parts and whatever. And um, Christoph Waltz's character says, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to make you a weapon and everything. And guess what happens? She ends up in this body. But the scene where she she loses her first body is really good. This, the bad guy is beating her up and we all visually amazing in slow motion. And they have a big fight. And he has these kind of pronged kind They're of... They're
0: like slicey
4: uh, things. Slicey things. They're like... Uh, um. um tentacles mm. that cut they're like they go at you it's kind of 3D and she's spinning through the air it's really visually amazing but she gets diced right now she doesn't get hurt because she's a cyborg her brain is fine you know no no cyborgs were harmed in the making of this movie <laughs> <coughs> but uh, I'm sure a few computers were but she's there like her she's cut in half from the chest so she's got one arm and her chest and her brain and her eyes and her face and she's there and you think well that's the end of her you know she's you know this is the nadir this is where she's it's so the comeback moment mm. where she's going to come back and kick his ass in half an hour. But there's an amazing scene where she he's taunting her and going, yeah, you're a puny little whatever, blah, blah, blah. Being a bad guy, basically. And she she's a bifurcated, has one hand, one arm, and she kind of lifts herself up on her one hand. And he's giving her a stick and she goes, oh, yeah? And she just kind of jumps with her hand and punches him in the eye and breaks her own arm off and destroys him it's brilliant it's a really good visual like it's a just a torso and an arm and a head Yeah. and she still defeats this humongous big robot thing and I just thought yeah that was cool I wasn't expecting that I was expecting her to be you know rescued, squished squished and then rescued by her friends and you know hide out and get rebuilt and you know we have the technology and blah 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 but it was quite cool but I can see how it's not for five year olds no no it's not there's lots of blood and guts and swords and cutting people in half and that kind of stuff and uh
0: There's a nice magic sword element to it. Yeah. There was that cool guy. I'm not really sure who he was, but he was kind of cool, kind of English. The guy who had the sword. He was kind of
4: my friend. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, The guy who played the new transporter. Yes. And he was also in Game of Thrones, whose name escapes me. Um, Oh, Krieger, Steger. Oh, man, that's really going to bug me. We just call him Jim. Jim was very good. Oh, Jim, yeah, he's a fantastic actor. (laughs) He's a fantastic actor. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, it's a kid's movie. With a lot of money spent on it. Out of five, Lisa? <laughs> two. Two? Yes. Sorry. Whew. Yeah, as a digital media nerd, I'm going to have to say two and a half. Just <laughs> give them oh, that yeah. extra <laughs> half because because of the amount of work yeah. and, I was going to say man hours, people hours, men and women hours that went into making this film is visually amazing, but, you know, very cliche. And my
0: God, the credits go on for a year. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> yeah. it was
4: probably the same budget
3: for uh, Avengers and Finish the War, so. I'd say 200 million, but... Yeah, they won't make that, that money back, but... Uh, you know ambitious and uh. anyways we got 20 avatar movies so James will be happy and <laughs> so, Two yeah. more on the way yeah. okay uh we're, next up we are going to be looking at the irish movie cellar door but before that let's just take a look at what is happening in the world of showbiz news entertainment whatever headline <coughs> you want to put <coughs> on it mm-hmm. okay I don't know if you're big fans of the show, but actor Kelsey Grammer has said that uh, he is in talks with a group of writers. Fifteen years since the sitcom Fraser came off air, they're talking about a re- reboot. Ooh! But he will no longer be a radio psychiatrist, like, like like you. I bet you he may be an art dealer or professor. Yeah, yes. living in Chicago. God I got to go
0: write it myself.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> right. So, are we excited?
0: I loved Fraser. Yeah. I watched it every morning for a long time.
4: <laughs> um, Half
0: eight in the morning.
4: <laughs> I mean, Frazier was really good. You know, zeitgeist it captured the moment, the jokes, the tone. But the world has moved on, mm. and and the world. Sure it's like if Friends came back. Yeah, but the world has the moved. Same, yeah, the, mo- the world has moved on a lot in the last ten years. And Kelsey Grammer is great and all as an actor. He is you're not going to have um, John Mahoney yeah. there anymore, mm. uh, who sadly passed away. And um you know, bringing out these dusty old sitcoms just because they were good once upon a time and blowing the dust off them and giving them a lick of paint. It, sitcoms are of their era. Even Friends, which is still in syndication, but we've, we've all watched every episode of Friends five times. I know I have yeah, literally yeah, yeah. five times. And if I'm really, really stuck and there's nothing on and I'm just like, you know, I would just want 10 minutes of something to while I eat my dinner just to look at. And Fre- yeah, Friends will do. Mm. It's like Simpsons. Yeah, Simpsons will do. Mm. But new Simpsons, come on and bringing out old sitcoms I don't know I mean could be wrong could be great but I wouldn't say I'm excited
3: I was so excited this year because I got sky cinema for 12 months Ooh, got a great bargain, thing. and I said this is the first year I can sit down and properly watch the Oscars and be like I was 15 years ago eat my popcorn and drink my club orange and just high as a kite on sugar and salt <laughs> to keep me going till 4 a.m. And I don't know, there's just something niggling with me this year with regards to the Oscars. And I thought this was a joke, okay? Because Alfonso Coron, who, of course, picked up a BAFTA there, he's nominated for Best Director at this year's Oscars. Uh, and he was given off about this. And I was like, no, that couldn't be right. What are they on about? But yeah, it's true. The Academy has revealed that the winners of four categories will be presented during the commercial break at this year's awards ceremony. And then when I read that, I said, okay, well, it's probably just maybe the four categories that the majority of people aren't interested in. Mm. But I beg to differ. One, cinematography. Oh my God. Two, editing. editing. Oh Three, God. live action shorts. And I was like, well, I can see, I can understand some people might you be might interested in short shorts. films mm-hmm. or yeah. seen them. And then hair and makeup. Oh. Uh, and ah. these categories hair and makeup. will instead Jesus. be taped to air later in the ABC broadcast. So probably, I don't know if they show
4: it 12 hours later on well, TV, people uh, can see it. You but know, it's uh, to keep it to a three-hour show. Yeah, well, you see, the, there's there's probably upsides and downsides to that. I mean, the downside is obviously those people aren't going to get their 15 minutes or their 15 seconds or whatever it is. And they're, you know, diminishing those awards. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's that simple. I mean, but as you know, you win an Oscar. That's pretty big deal. If you can't say, thank you to my mammy for making the sandwiches when I was learning whatever it is I learned. And, you know, thanks to my wife and God and whatever. You don't get that few minutes that's part of the oscars award. Yeah. you get this platform for a few minutes. that's part of the award and if if you don't if they're depriving them of that i think they're diminishing those awards and it's not fair. i mean
0: as alfonso cuaron said it was uh, there are movies that have been made without sound, without people, without i don't know there was there was something else, but you cannot make a film without cinematography and editing. Mm. those are the two things that yeah. you need so to to actually have yeah. a film awards. We, that we'll is get to that in a minute.
4: A, oh, you can't. <laughs> no no, but we'll get to that in a minute.
0: oh. Oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> Sorry, I just remembered.
4: Yeah. Oh, they're itching to go. Regards <laughs> oh, to re- I've never been, had really such it an itchy trigger finger <laughs> in my life here. In my, I've been waiting and I've been like steam coming out of my ears. Never mind. Ladies and gentlemen, you've no idea what I'm talking about, but you will in a minute. Uh. OK, well, finally, then,
3: uh, for those interested in starring in a soap opera, now's your chance as T.G. Carr's Irish language drama, Ross Naroon, are holding auditions for budding actors to join their existing cast. Maybe someday you could be like me, Gary Kelly, a former star of *Ross Naroon. or me, a former star of *Ross*. Were you in it <laughs> yeah, as well?
0: Uh, yeah, I was in the bar as well.
3: No, no I, were you extra?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was an
3: extra for a day. I, I had—I actually had a recurring role.
4: What oh, was recurring, your role? no less. Yes. No, I didn't have a recurring role, but I had a role and I had a script, and I was there for a couple of days. Oh, yeah. very good. good,
3: Lord. Yeah, I was the city doctor in *Ross Naroon. That's That's.
0: Yeah,
4: because oh, yeah. I went in and did an
3: audition. Mm-hmm. I looked at the script and someone said to me, look, don't worry, when you get the script, it'll be in Irish, but you'll also see the translation underneath in Ooh. English. Lanarai. like, oh, perfect. E-taker-fod. And I went in and it was all Askelga. Yeah. And I realized, I eh, kind of, maybe i only figuring out 25% bit. of this. So mm-hmm. I, my solution was, Gary, just go complete method. Now, you don't know what you're being method about, mm-hmm. uh-huh. but just... You know, real serious James <laughs> Dean type performance or yeah. whatever would come into my head at the time. And uh, yeah, I, I remember I was doing a scene with Bernie
0: mm-hmm.
3: and <laughs> I do not know what the scene was about, but I decided the best thing was to get off the chair and kneel down beside her <laughs> as if I was proposing to her, but in a very serious type thing. And I took her hand. I'd say the poor actress was just saying, what the hell is going on? I think they realised I didn't have mm. as much Irish then as I probably yeah. do now. Mm. A little bit cool So I got lesson. the city doctor who speaks English because he's in the city. Brilliant. Yeah, Talk to our right. So all, to the all the right people who died <laughs> was at my hand in and Room yeah. for a couple of seasons. My so, God. so
4: they came in speaking <laughs> Irish and you fixed them. Is that what happened? <laughs> 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 but know. a
3: great, great crew to work with and oh. every, everyone's really nice. You don't get the, uh, no, no. Great the great arrogance process.
4: that you would with other big kind no, of Irish yeah. productions. And just for anyone listening who's thinking, I wonder, I go out and be an extra. They give you real beer in the bar. What? Oh. They, well, they did when I was there as an extra.
0: I think that was a long time ago. It was,
4: didn't? and I mean, it was about four years ago when I was actually at a speaking role. But about maybe about ten years ago, when I was an extra, and yeah, uh, they actually the good give, old days. You, give you real beer before <laughs> the Celtic Tiger came <laughs> over from drinking too much free beer. <laughs>
3: Join the cast of Ross and Room for series twenty-four, Good which Lord. begins filming in August this yeah, year. That's impressive. And you you get further details on
4: IFTN. There's a tricky one to say cochorgicus. Congratulations. Gary's looking at me. Congratulations. What do you congratulate me for? Not you, them for twenty-four years. Oh right, okay.
3: Yeah, yeah. I was thinking more of the wannabe actors. I haven't gotten the role yet, you know? No. Okay, moving on. Let's take a look at the Irish award winning movie. Cellar door.
2: Beautiful dreamer, wake unto me. Dark light and dew drops are waiting for thee. Sounds of the rude world. in the is this place? It's for girls who need help. Lulled by the moonlight. Where's my baby? There are have no babies here. I do have a son. Away. Go.
3: There you go, that's a clip taken from the Irish movie Cellar Door, a story which follows Aidy, a fighter inside and out as she searches for her son while in the grip of the church, or maybe so we are to believe. It is Vico Nietzsche's second feature film as a writer, his debut being Fading Away and his first as a director. Not only did he direct it and write it, he also co-produced it and was the editor on the movie. Dave Coyne.
4: I don't know where to start. And neither did Nico
0: <laughs> <laughs> vico
4: vico see I don't even <laughs> want to know his name uh, no okay okay let's i uh, first of all, I admire that they did Chose try to the they, try, they tried to make a film that was very experimental and very out there and non-traditional and that's me being kind mm-hmm. it, the subject matter is. Heavy, it's, um, um, I mean, I was listening to it on the radio today about the mother and baby homes and all that kind of stuff, and it's very, uh, you know, on point in terms of, you know, emotional reaction to it and everything at the moment, but it is not a film. This is not a feature film. You can take a series of shots and sequences and play them for 55 years if you want to. It's not a feature film. A feature film has to have certain elements in it, like an establishing shot, a wide shot, a tripod you cannot disorientate your audience non-stop for an hour and a half. I mean, if you watch, I'm trying to think of a movie, you know, you watch a movie and there's paces. I mean, humans have cycles in them of breathing and moving and on the edge of your seat and then, oh, wow, you get a release, you get a, mm. there's a nadir and a climax and then repeat. And then, you know, it's a story arc. It's a curve. This is a right angle. You hit a wall and it changes direction, but it changes direction too late. If this was a short film, if this film was 10 minutes long, It would still be a bit of a stretch in terms of what's there Mm. they had the same motif the same tropes of mid shot to close up handheld whip pans disorientating the audience for an hour and 20 minutes repeating the same scenes over and over and over again um and it was nonsense up until the point where you go oh and then you go yeah it's still nonsense because you left it too late and the cat has eaten the fish
0: it was ridiculous I was so mad with the, with this film because I had such high hopes for it mm. because I've actually met Vico and given him a lift in my car one time and uh, he was really sound and I and he I had seen his documentary coming home, which was a true story about um a guy in New York that was wrongly imprisoned for many, many years, and he was also in the car and uh, they were like I just had high hopes I had like this is a guy who's done solid documentary work. he'll surely be able to make a feature. And plus, it's this subject matter This at this moment in time. Surely you'll be sensitive with it. Now, they exploited it, I thought, a little bit. It was just constant people peeing. Yeah. That's all it was.
4: There's literally... People pee at there's, every there's juncture l- in this movie. There are literally pain or pain? We- peeing. wetting themselves, oh, wetting yeah. so wetting, right. losing control <laughs> of their bladder, yeah, literally not, at every turn. Not joking. It must be ten times. Yeah. in the film, different mm-hmm. characters, and it's a it's a psychological motive. Now it's I mean, if you can ma- imagine a horror movie, mm. all right, and there's a scene where Mike Myers is chasing somebody, and there's a knife, and there's, e- e- e, and there's cuts and whip pans and disorientating the audiences, and and then boom, and you get a big fright, and something happens, and then cut to the following morning mm. and a car drives down the street and the audience can breathe and go, oh wow, that was exciting. Right, what's going to happen next? And you draw them back in. Mm. This is, <laughs> for an hour and a half. It's ridiculous, lazy filmmaking. It's like they had one lens or if they had a or zoom Or one lens, room. One room, well, three or four rooms, mm. one lens. Now, we are... Tearing this film apart here. However, I'm going to say something nice because they're Irish filmmakers and we want to help them out here. But the performances, the actors were excellent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a, a scene where there's extras and little kids in this. even they did a great job. The lead actress, uh, Karen, I think. So yeah, I Karen. Hassan, yeah. She she, she uh, did a great job. It's not and her fault. <coughs> no, it's not her fault. No. It's no offense to Nivico. To uh, he, he's not a good director. There's a good idea in the middle of this. But, you know, if you order a a burger and fries and there's a burger and 40,000 tons of fries on top of it and you take, need a shovel to get at the burger, it's not a meal anymore. It's mm. an art experiment. And this film is an art experiment. It is not a feature film. If it was a five-minute short, it would still be an arty, very arty short that wouldn't appeal to the average audience. They'd go, oh God, I'm not watching that.
3: For me, it's a hard film to <coughs> delve into too much without giving too much away, but... Having met the director and uh, the actor, Karen Hassan, for me, looking back, there's quite an intellectual level of thoughts and ideas within the film. The majority of the scenes are even, for example, all shot within the one room. It's just they've been changing the exterior walls and stuff, but they'd still keep the same stained glass and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's to give that thing of claustrophobia. but and there's a familiarity, but we don't know why. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. disorientation. Yeah, and because of the pulling away layers like an onion mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but because of the symptoms as well, like um, the, the wetting one's cells, mm-hmm. it goes to where something could happen, something of significance happened in someone's life. But if they have a disease or something, they're almost mm-hmm. removed from it. No, they're almost putting brought that back. brought back, but are, are mm-hmm. putting that situation on other people that they've met, even though they haven't actually really happened mm. to yes, that person. Yes, yes you yes, know what I, I mean? understand, but I mean... Philip Marlant, I think, uh, did a really good review of it. And I think this line sums it up well, because I did find a frustration for the first 20 minutes so mm-hmm. watching the same movie because it keeps going on a I'm loop, back. repeating, yeah. repeating, repeating. I did find the more you watched and invested in it, I found it rewarding. That was kind of the key word I'd use. But it said, cellar door is both an interesting and frustrating film simultaneously, nearly every compliment that can be given to this film can also be seen as a flaw depending on the person mm. and that it's more of an experience and you were saying then an art yeah, experiment. It, it, it,
4: if I went into a museum and I saw this on a loop for five minutes, uh, you know, a cut, I'd say, wow, that's very powerful. And it is very powerful, but it's not a feature film. Um, it's 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 just not. It's a museum piece. It's, a, it's an art installation um, and... You know, I I think there's like two shots where you can actually see a person's full body, feet to head, a wide shot, as we call it in Mm. the business. One or two.
3: And is that we're just used to traditional filmmaking?
4: No, I mean, there's traditional filmmaking and And then there's this is experimental. I mean, handheld whip pans can be used to disorientate an audience to do a match cut or a jump cut. You don't do them all the damn time. I mean... Can't even equate this to. Uh, I'm kind of but the that the, of the was to, and I can't mm, come up with but one. But the
3: intention mm. was to disorientate <laughs> the audience. But in order, you just like you, the protagonist look, is, we are exactly. learning with her and discovering with her, and yeah. we are just as but disorientated. You, mm. Which goes to the whole thing, mm. uh, yeah. which is
4: the l- name of the character, A.D. Mm. Yes. Well, that's too deep. It's you know. Yeah, and that's, the audience doesn't know that. It's not mm. a pamphlet in a doctor's waiting room. It's a feature film in the cinema. That's where you go to consume this. Information. They
0: shouldn't have called it Cellar Door. <coughs> but,
4: but that's what I'm saying. It's at a
3: level where I think
4: if you there's too much. If you
3: find if you dig deeper, you'll actually start discovering more. Because mm-hmm. I do think it is a bit like film in the Sky, where the more you watch it,
0: the more it grows on you.
3: But or the yeah, the more kind of clues and signs you see, you're seeing. Yeah. Well,
4: you see, the thing is, it's you see this film in the cinema. It's not cinematic, at, even in an ounce. Not even one level is it cinematic. Mm-mm. I was just thinking of an example there. For example, in Star Trek Generations, we see the characters, we know the characters, there's a story. There's a scene where Captain Picard gets absorbed into the nexus, which if anybody's seen the movie is this kind of energy ribbon that is heaven. Mm. So your brain goes into this nexus and you can time travel and your wildest dreams come true. And this man, this bad guy is destroying planets to make this ribbon move to where he can be absorbed into it. Long story short, Captain Picard gets absorbed into the nexus and he's standing there this big ribbon comes across the sky. I mean, even as I'm describing it, I can see it. It's cinematic. I'm moving my arms. There's the ribbon. There's the mountain. There's Captain Picard. There's the bad guy. And this ribbon, the bad guy puts his arms out and kind of rolls his head back and says, come and have me heaven. I want to be in heaven. And the ribbon comes in. And then the audience is disorientated for a few moments hmm. to experience the character that they know that they've invested in. We weren't disorientated for two hours. We were disorientated for a moment as part of the story which fills in the rest of your imagination. And
0: at least we were aware of the disorientation. Exactly.
4: And then this happens and we know we, there's a logic. Okay, this magical ribbon thing has arrived. It's a science fiction movie. And then it cuts to a close-up, just like this movie, a close-up of Captain Picard's like face, just like his nose and his eyes and he's wearing a blindfold. And he's spinning around and there's light spinning around and you're disorientated just as he is. So he's, you're thinking to yourself, where the hell am I? And then you're thinking... Jeez, Captain McCart is probably thinking, where the hell am I? And then it comes out and it turns out he's in his house at Christmas time with the family that he wished he had that he mm. never had. And all these children are like, hello, father. And he's like, hello, son. And he's taken off the blindfold and they're playing a game and he's on a merry-go-round with his children. And then the story moves forward. This story gets stuck in one idea and it stays there for an hour and a half. And yeah, that's yeah, not filmmaking. Fair well, yeah. Comparing it
3: to... And I'm not even saying either or similar, but comparing it to something like Groundhog Day, where you, you have a part of the day that keeps repeating, repeating, repeating.
4: Well, the, the the camera does not disorientate you physically. You don't feel nauseous looking at Bill Murray walking down the street because mm. the camera is not in his nostril spinning around, pulling focus and doing all these visual trickery things all the time. Mm. Um, I mean, there's... Or at
0: least it's the same shots. Yes. The same people, the same... Everything is the same. Yeah, but at least you're you're you know what's happening.
4: Mm. They're they're playing with sound and vision too much, and the audience can only digest so much. An audience physically will look at this. Your eyes go. I do not want to be looking at this. No. spinning around, camera movement, close up, cl- and there's no relief. There's no cut to a wide shot and let's just let it breathe for a minute. It's mm. it's like opening a two hundred year old bottle of wine and sculling it. You gotta let it breathe and have a sip out of it. And enjoy it. And they didn't, th- there was a good story here. Vico had a good idea. The actresses and the actress did a great job. Mm. The DOP probably did what he or she, he, Ronan Flood, I think it was the name, he did a good job. He did what he was told, but they didn't do it right. And the editing, and it was, for me, it was self indulgent.
3: Okay, well, there you go. Uh, out of five, Lisa? Point 0.5. You can't do
4: point 0.5. You can okay,
0: do zero. It.
4: <sighs> no. it was
0: ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I'm sorry.
4: You kind of got to go and mirror that exact thing. This, <laughs> is, this <laughs> is horrible for me because I actually got to meet the two of them. I'm about and, to listen and, to them. And, and, <laughs> and I, I, I hope that they, look at, the, it, this. maybe is the just, next one will be better. This is just our opinion. We're just two yeah, people. Yeah, we're just plebs. Find w- us. Um, I, I have to, as <laughs> I said, there are merits to this film, uh, yeah. but it's, it's not a film. If this is, as I said, if this was in a, in a museum, I would walk through the museum and go, wow, did you see that film? That was brilliant, really powerful. It's not a feature film. And as a result, it's a zero for me too.
0: Mm-hmm. Sorry.
3: Okay, well, I think we'll all agree. The performances by Catherine Walker and Mark O'Halloran are excellent as well. Karen Hassan, I think, absolute solid performance. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, absolutely. A really, really, really nice person as well. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, she is. So. Uh,
4: Hopefully, we see lots more great things from her. I'm
0: sure we yeah. will. I think, I think she was Vico. already in A.B. Huberman's thing, wasn't she? She was, yeah, she finding was. joy, yeah. yeah.
4: And I think Vico will find his voice. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, cutting the legs from underneath him here, but the film just didn't come together for me. Yeah. And it did win Best Irish Feature Film at the Film Fla. Yeah. Artie. Artie, Artie, Artie. Yeah. Artie. Yeah. Is the flat Artie? R.T. as hell.
3: Mm-hmm. Is
4: it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I worked there for 10 I years. I know,
3: yeah. And you worked there as well, Lisa. Oh, I yeah. sure did. Okay. You know better than me. Yeah. Anyways, let's hear what the the leading actor and the director of Cellador have to say about their movie. Here I was chatting to them recently during a special screening Of their new movie at iCinema Galway.
0: Can't afford marketing personnel for your business? Don't worry, just head over to gkmedia.ie where you could have your very own professional marketing team for less than 100 euro per week. Check out our marketing solutions packages by visiting gkmedia.ie.
3: Now, delighted to be joined by the director of Cellar Door, Vico Nicci, and actress as well from the movie Karen Hassan. Uh, Vico, we'll start with your good self. Great to have you in Galway. You have had many, I'm sure, a fun night in Galway because you've been coming to the FLA for quite a number of years. Absolutely. I love coming to Galway. I love it. There's been a
1: lot of memorable nights here from the FLA and other, other uh other uh, parties and
3: (laughs) pints Uh, some of the best pubs in ireland i think Uh, and let's go back to 2013 because i think that's when you first presented a feature lens Documentary at the film Flower?
1: Yep, that was coming home. Um, and it was an amazing weekend. It was a heat wave in Galway because, you know, the flower could be hit or miss even in July. And it was uh, the first taste of freedom for the subject of the documentary, a guy called Angel, who came out. He was just released in prison and he was still in parole. And Galway was this kind of rare uh, travel pass that, um, uh, you know, that represented freedom for him. So he came out and it was an amazing show, an amazing screening and very emotional. and um, um, you know, he went from this kind of uh, anonymous person in the streets to after the screening everybody was stopping him and, you know, buying him pints. <laughs> so, yeah, it was 2013. It was uh, an amazing flop for us. And you picked up an award? Yeah, there was that as well, which is always good not to leave empty handed. Um, but it was more, I'll never forget, the response of the show, to the film. Um, that's my biggest memory of Galway. And we had a similar one with Cellar Door just a few months back, which actually picked up
3: an award for that as well. So a good record here. Tell us about twenty eighteen Galway Film Fla to win the award, to be just getting that recognition for, I'm sure what was tough, tough journey. They, it's always a tough
1: journey with films, um... So, it's good to get the recognition, particularly in that festival, which has a lot of industry from Ireland there. I, you know, I feel like the film was a combination of Karen's excellent work on screen and the cinematographer's excellent work behind the camera. Uh, and my job really was to bring the two together. So, Galway was interesting because it was the first public screening for the film. So, you never know how it's going to be received. And then, when it was received the way it was, it was, you know, it felt like mission accomplished.
3: And did you still expect to win an award by the end of the week?
1: I don't know if we, you know, I never look ahead at those things. You know, I kind of take it um, based on what the reaction is. And then what happens with this film is that um, I get a lot of questions afterwards and I get a lot of stories after some people that are affected by the issues of the film. Um, So The weekend for me more was was that, of kind of receiving this incredible kind of feedback and response and emotion from the people that were at that screening, you know, and it is you know, you, you sit there during the awards and, and, and you realize, oh yeah, actually you're up for it, so when you hear the name of the film called, it is, it feels like a validation um, but really it's a, you know, it, more so than even after the screening for me, Galway was um, the stories that came afterwards and the questions and the kind of one-on-one interactions for that whole weekend after people
3: um, saw the film yeah, we'll get into the, the film in a moment. I suppose, first of all, can you summarize in your own words as the writer of Cellar Door what it is about? <laughs> That's the hardest question, actually.
1: <laughs> it's hard because I can summarize it after you've seen the film. Uh, before you've seen the film, it's a little bit different. Uh, we would say it's about um, a young mother who's fighting for her son uh, you know, against an oppressive Catholic church. Um, and it, well, she gets into this kind of seemingly supernatural mystery of reliving some key events always different and and learning from them and pushing past them and and then towards the end she you know she 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 realizes the truth which is quite quite
3: jolting for her the best way I would describe the the movie for an audience member the experience of it is that it's actually a very rewarding movie to watch because the more you invest. Watching it and digesting it because it's it's not one of those movies you can be, you know. Um on your phone or doing the ironing at home and half watching it around like you need to fully invest in watching the movie and you're rewarded it for it because it just takes you on very much an unexpected journey and you're unraveling things as the story goes on and it pulls you more and more in and it just gives you a big sucker punch then mm-hmm. towards the end of it uh, but still holds true to the story um, but after I watched it I was saying and I'll talk to Karen about this shortly as well as how could anyone communicate what would seem to me of absolute sheer chaos going through the writer director's head in trying to articulate this to both cast and crew and even especially to an editor because there's a lot of fast fast cuts like quick cuts in this Uh, but then you took on the role of not only writer director co-producer but also editor
1: I did, yeah, and actually thank you for your summary because I think that was Better than I can do, um, and thank you for the kind words about the film. I, the film was made in the edit, really. So that was that was the game plan uh, going in. You know, we were shooting it in a very fluid way, very theatrical way, where the camera's snaking in and out of of mainly Karen, um, who you know who carries the film uh, brilliantly in the lead role. Um, you know, and then the edit became telling, uh, representing the voice of the character in the subjective point of view. Uh, so it was very challenging and, and and hopefully rewarding because when you when you get into the final kind of eight or nine minutes of the film, you realize that everything every beat, I mean every second from my point of view, every frame of the film leads to that. so what what we're hearing back is that it's incredibly rewarding on in a second experience as well because you 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 have a deeper knowledge um, uh, from from the first screening, so the and the edit is the reason why it served as the kind of gravity to keep us engaged with the story as the mystery unfolds, and that is shot to shot. So for to give you a sense of what it is, I know you've seen the film, but for those who haven't, say so it's ninety minutes and. The whole it's very fluid throughout, so there's there's um you know the camera whips off her and ends up back on her in another scene and we don't really know when the cut happened and uh, there's it's a style like that which makes it feel like this kind of one continuous experience so yeah it's really where it came together,
3: yeah, and it really does engage you as a viewer because visually you're stimulated nonstop but the storyline keeps changing as well Karen, when you read the script, what did you think because i would say if i read the script i wouldn't have been able to understand what was going on
2: it's probably um the first thing that i was impressed by was the script it it landed on my desk and i was really moved by it i was really drawn to the character of 80 as well and you know i don't know i just felt like she went on this real um heartfelt journey and you know, I could relate to everything that she was about. You know, she had strength in there, vulnerability. You know, a really traumatic thing happens to her. Um, you really get to see all sides of this character. So firstly, I was drawn to the character. And then my my gut reaction to the script was just to be blown away. And, uh, and then when I uh, talked to Vico and, and got his sense of the vision of the film and, you know, how he intended to do a lot of it in close-up. And, you know, we talked about ideas in those early stages. Go where you say, you know, the camera really will be sensing everything that this character is going through in on the eyes, close in the eyes. And that's what I love about films. So I, I, was, I was in Phil pelt for it.
3: Although you play the one character in the movie, you, you, you give a lot of strong, varied performances because there's a lot of sequences in her life that she goes through. And it's elements of... Sadness, loneliness, frustration, anger, and they're all at different levels. How do you kind of formulate that in your head? Do you just kind of take blocks of scenes or do you kind of structure the character out in the sense of um, her growth? Like how do you kind of attack a variety of sort of personalities uh, that she has?
2: A lot of it was in the prep and discussing, you know, as a team where we thought that she would be added each moment in the script in the time. And there's a lot of time shifts in this as well. So, you know, um, there's even a scene where she's talking to herself and she's trying to reason with herself. So you're playing the same character at different Time frames and um, different mental states. Um, for us, it was a bit of a, a quagmire. You know, you, you're filming something that's written out of sequence and it's filmed again out of sequence. So keep joining those dots together. I basically just made a huge map in my dressing room and day by day I just took piece by piece off the wall until eventually we had reached the finish line but I don't know we just kept uh, talking between us about where she was at that uh, emotional state and uh, where the next thing she was going into but sometimes you just really had to feel the scene and kind of instinctual in that you know as most actors would say sometimes that's the best thing to rely on but it, it can get in your way sometimes when you're trying to achieve something in a scene but I think um, a lot of the scenes I just went in and just experimented and, and tried to stay true to what I thought the character was going through at that time and then I handed it over to Vico to try to piece it all together so <laughs> you know um, you know, it, it was wonderful for me to be able to play a character that had just so many emotions and you know and she does go through a traumatic time and she is you know bereft and lost and lonely and she's got sass to her and you know she experiences that first love as well So there's that, you know, that real like birth of a character that you're watching on screen.
3: I have to say and I'm not just saying it because you're here I mean fantastic performance obviously but I thought you got all the different nuances of it spot on sometimes when there's such a variety that uh, an actor has to play of a character they might go a little bit OTT with certain things to show that they can do variety or that they have range but they they don't get it it's spot on They, they push it too much but I thought you held it so well especially even in the last scene as well i just thought the performance was just just perfect so well done so what has it been like because this this film was probably shot a year ago at this stage and it was shot in 19 days which would have been pretty intense
2: mm-hmm. oh yeah it was a very intense experience um, you know Fico talks about writing the script as a fever dream and I think that's probably the best way to describe the shoot as well for all of us involved it was very fast paced and you were literally jumping from one scene to the next to the next to the next joining the dots very quickly you know mentally you can't even hold on to what you filmed in the last scene you have to move on to the next and the next until you're, you're done and you're finished um, and actually just talking about that last scene that was, that was one take wasn't it? We was it the first take we got of
1: that? So much of the film was the first take or two, actually. Yeah, yeah it was really because you know it was it was fast. It was faster than 19 days. Even we we had a 20-day schedule, and we ended up with about 16 days out of that because we, there was a series of reshoots and other things that that uh, you know we lost four days pretty much in the shoot. Um, so when it came to the last scene and every scene, it, it was pretty. You know, it was like being it was like a live concert everything's ready jump in do the scene we film it the way we were filming it jump out to the next scene Um, so for anyone around film production if you're talking about it's a hundred page script so even at 20 days you're talking about shooting five pages a day which is massive and at 16 it's more you know um so it's quite daunting Uh, you know on the other side you have these rock stars like karen and and rob and um our producers david collins and and you know our co-producer john wallace um you know everything from you know the crew and the supporting cast marco halloran Catherine, um leah like these just rock stars that come in and and you know bring this level of of talent um, that elevates the whole thing. So you don't feel the tight shooting schedule, you don't feel anything like that. It always feels like we had what we needed and and we used it.
0: Can't afford marketing personnel for your business? Don't worry, just head over to gkmedia.ie where you could have your very own professional marketing team for less than 100 euro per week. Check out our marketing solutions packages by visiting gkmedia.ie.
3: Karen, the story does touch on quite a few significant things that have happened both in modern Ireland and uh, in our own history here down through the decades, but it, it doesn't force any opinion or anything. It just pretty much makes a statement of this was or this is.
2: Yeah, that's correct. Um, we obviously deal with the mother and baby homes, which are a huge part of our Irish history. And I think, um, you know, with the viewpoint that, you know, if we don't remember the past, we're destined to repeat it. It's really important that we do talk about these issues. Um, but the film itself, it would be an injustice to say that it's solely about that. It's layered with so many issues and hopefully when people go and see it, they'll be made aware of, aware of those. Um, but for me, it was just about following the character's journey and what Adie went through and Aidy's trauma and how she managed this, manages to deal with that in her life. Um, so, so for me, it was... Yes, it was very much tied up in, in this issue that she is searching for her son, but you're really just getting to explore you know, how an individual deals with trauma and 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 how they reach parts in their mind to help them deal with that and, and to cope.
3: You're probably one of the few women who ran away from Jamie Dornan, because of course you started in the fall, you're in Vikings, you have a huge filmography, But this movie was very different because, as we were saying before we started recording, there was no clapperboards all the time. There was no, sometimes you didn't even hear the word action. It was a lot more chaotic.
2: Uh, It was very new style to me and almost now I've done it. I would like to go back and do it again. (laughs) Vico, if you're up for that. Um, Because normally on set, you know, you're used to having, you know, seeing the sound guys there, the camera operators, there's, you're normally looking at a sea of 20 people when you're performing in front of a camera. Whereas this was a very different experience. There was uh, just myself and uh, Rob, the cinematographer, he's amazing at his job. A lot of the time it's just me and him in a room I was just acting the scene out and he would capture what he needed to capture and, and Vico would be somewhere hidden offset but there was no costume checks, there was no makeup checks, there was no clapperboards, no cuts sometimes and 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 sometimes the scenes would last for ten minute takes, you know. Fico would just shout out a direction and and we'd go again and we'd go again and we'd go again until we found something. Um, So in a way it was very freeing but also quite daunting to get your head around this new style of filming. But I think it really gives you a subjective point of view when you watch it as a viewer. So it was really integral to how the movie looks.
3: Yeah, it really made it work, and we just, uh, are after coming out of it being screened at the I! Cinema in Galway, where people were really moved by it to the extent that they were crying, which I suppose, a director, it's satisfying when you get a strong emotional reaction, and probably the reaction you want as well, from an audience.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Give me all the tears. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, if you if you do a comedy, you want them to laugh, right? So, um, the the difficulty with doing a mystery is that the tears are really earned, you know, and if they're, it's, a, it's a high wa- uh, wire act. With this film, I'm, I'm kind of very, very pleased to say um, every audience that I've seen it with and I've seen afterwards has that same kind of emotional, uh, tearful reaction. And not just when the, after the credits roll, but, uh, you know, a lot of the times, many hours later and days later, you know, um, because the, f- the film kind of sits with you in that way. Uh, because it's a mystery. When the mystery gets revealed, you go back to before it was revealed, revealed, and kind of work through it in your head. You know, so it's been sad that you know second viewings are really you know rewarding for this film, and and that's why, um, you know, because to earn the tears at the end from that kind of thriller uh, mystery journey, I think is is you know it really shows the kind of achievement that Karen's performance did. You know,
3: we were talking earlier about reshooting. They did a few days reshooting, but that was actually at the start of production. Because a few days in, when it looked amazing, and you were using your steady steadicam, you were getting your really fluid cinematic shots, you realized that this isn't what you wanted to do, and you want to start from scratch again.
1: We did. So I'm thankful that the financiers and the producer David Collins are so they were trusting of the of the process. But yeah, as you say, we we. Took on the cinematic approach. I think we made the pictures look too pretty and and too still, um, too stilted, and less representative of the character. And once we broke free from that and started representing the character cinematically, not just thematically or kind of performance, but really using cinema, using the camera, using you know what turned out to be the edit as well. Which is, I mean, what I've always said is, it's the only kind of new art, right? Is is edit is is putting two images together. So using that and leaning into that, it, it just opened up this world of possibilities. And it just makes it very kind of immersive, and, and I think is what leads to that reaction that we get. And look, it's not, as you say, it's not depressing. It's actually quite uplifting. I think that there's two main issues that we deal with. You know, one we can always talk about before, and one we can't talk about until after, right? So both issues are what brings emotion to it. But with both issues, it's, it's more uplifting and it's more um, like this kind of victorious feeling for the character, rather than beaten down. She's not—I mean, she's never beaten down—not for a frame of it. She's a fighter, and she fights back. And we're rewarded with that in her fight and her kind of resolve. So, yeah, it's—it's. It's, you know, I find it quite uplifting.
3: Vico, thank you very much for coming to Galway and joining us today. Thanks for having me. And Karen, thank you very much as well for joining us and just like in the movies and congratulations again on your fantastic
2: performance. Oh, thank you so much. That's okay. Thank you.
3: There you go. That is actor Karen Hassan and writer, director, editor and co-producer of Cellar Door. Vico Nietzsche speaking to me there at iCinema Galway earlier in the week for a special screening of their movie. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Just Like in the Movies. Kind of slightly longer than usual one, but uh, we packed a lot in. Dave Coyne, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. Lisa Tracy, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. And don't forget, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can always email movies at gkmedia.ie. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. Wow. And uh, until we talk to you next week, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.